Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me tonight to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. Book of King, the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture tonight. Um, and I want to share with you on a, on a message that I have, something that I've never preached on or taught on before. But I was thinking just over the last few days, really since last, since last Thursday, and all that has transpired in the miracle working power that God has done and and then having conversations with our with with pastor and about how that God is no respecter of persons but he also is a respecter of your faith. Yeah. And and I got to thinking about that and I haven't been able I haven't been able to get away from that since him and I had that conversation. And I got to thinking about everything throughout Scripture as it pertains to, as it pertains to faith. As we know in Hebrews eleven and six, the Bible says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please God, because he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." And we understand throughout Scripture, God always responded to people's faith. In the miracles of Jesus, Jesus would always respond to people's faith. How many times do you remember when he would look at somebody and say, according to your faith, or your faith has made thee, has made thee whole. Sometimes they didn't have enough faith. Sometimes they didn't have the faith, but somebody else had the faith for them. For for the for the uh, for the for the man that was paralyzed that had the four friends. Therefore, his four friends brought him to Jesus, and their faith touched Jesus, and he commended them for their faith. The 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 late the, the girl Jairus's daughter who was dead. How I many know she didn't have enough? She didn't. She was dead. She didn't have the faith to believe that God can heal her, but her but her dad comes to Jesus and because of his faith, because of his faith, his her his daughter was able to live again. Lazarus, the same way. God reveals himself as the resurrection and life. And so throughout scripture, I find that where God is no respecter of persons, God is a respecter of faith. And God always responds by our faith or He responds by our lack thereof of faith. And so that's, that's kind of what I want to talk to you tonight about. And I was, this morning when I got up this morning, I was drawn to this, these passages of Scripture and I want, to, I want to share what I feel like the Lord has given me tonight. 2 Kings chapter 7, begin reading at verse number 1. The word of the Lord says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, this is Elisha speaking, and he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we shall enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Now think about that. 
They really didn't know what was going to happen. They just didn't want to stay stuck in the predicament that they were in. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Now drop down to verse number 19 for me and let's read this. Let's read the final two verses of this chapter. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. And so this is the most unusual message that I want to preach to you tonight, or talk to you tonight about. Because tonight I want to talk to you tonight about the high cost of unbelief. The high cost of unbelief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight, Lord God. God, help me tonight, Lord. I need your help to minister this word tonight. God, touch, anoint these lips of clay. Anoint the ears to hear what the Spirit is going to say to the church. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the promise the praise and the glory for it all in Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. And amen. I want to talk to you tonight on the thought of the high cost of unbelief. Let me start off by saying this. Everything, every sin that is committed is undergirded by the thought by the fact of unbelief. It is because sin manifests itself because we refuse to believe what God has recorded in His Word. You heard me say this Sunday just very briefly as I was giving my testimony. You see, it was unbelief that, that caused Adam and Eve to be kicked out of the garden because the enemy only had to ask one question. Did God really say this? And because they doubted what God had said, it brought sin. And as we know, by what man sin entered into the world and death by sin. We understand that it was because of the unbelief of the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were on the, when they were on the threshold of getting ready to go into the, into the promised land because, because the spies that went in, all but two of the spies said, yes, it is everything that God has promised. Yes, it is everything. It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it, it, you see, you see the fruits of this. But the children of Anak are in there. There are giants that are in the land. And we are not able to overtake this land. We are not able to conquer this land because we are, are we are as grasshoppers in our own sights. And because we're grasshoppers in our own sights, we are grasshoppers in their sight. And the Bible says that because of their unbelief, that God became angry with them and said, every one of you that are 21 years of age and over are going to die in this wilderness because of your unbelief. When we get into the New Testament, we understand that even Jesus himself, when he went into his hometown of Nazareth, the Bible says that he couldn't do many mighty miracles. As a matter of fact, he could, the only, the Bible described it and said the only thing that he could do is simply heal a few sick folk. But he couldn't do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. The disciples, when they came to Jesus, would tell Jesus, Jesus, why can't we cast 
this, this devil out of this demoniac. And Jesus chastised them for their unbelief. He said, because of your unbelief. Because I said, if you have faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible to you. The writer of Hebrews would say that it was because of unbelief that many could not enter into the rest of God. And James would go on to say, and he would say that the man or the woman who wavers in their faith and becomes unbelieving, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. And he says not let that person think that they should receive anything from God. There is a high cost when we fail to believe God. So when we come to second, when we come to Second Kings chapter seven, we see the promise of God here, because in Second Kings chapter seven and verse one, we see the promise. Elisha speaks as a prophet of God, and he says, "By this time tomorrow." The famine is going to be over. The, the, the thing that is holding the nation of Israel back, the thing that is plaguing Israel is getting ready to come to an end. What was going on? Well, the enemy had besieged Israel. What besieged me didn't mean that they came in and they started fighting against them. But, the, but to besiege means that the enemy just simply encamped around about the borders of Israel to stop its export and to stop its import. And so the only thing is they, they ended up in a man-made induced famine. A famine that all of a sudden they begin to eat the waste of dumb, of dumb's dumb. They begin to eat the heads off of donkeys. And they begin to they begin to kill and to eat each other's children. And there was such chaotic times during that that they had to hear a word from God. It was such a chaotic time. If God didn't do something, if God didn't intervene on their behalf, all hope that they should be saved is going to be lost. And so God raised up Elisha. And Elisha spoke under the anointing and under the authority of God. And he said, listen, king, by this time tomorrow, he was speaking prophetically, by this time tomorrow, everything that you're facing and everything that you're going through is going to be over with. The famine, the curse is going to be broken. Your enemies are going to be defeated and you are going to rejoice. Where there once was lack, there is now going to be plenty. That was the promise of God. And you would think with everything that Elisha had already demonstrated, because Elisha worked under a double portion of the anointing that rested upon his mentor, Elijah. When Elijah was taken up from heaven, he, Elijah said, Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of the anointing that rests upon your life. And so we see the miracles that Elisha did. He raised the dead. He, 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 brought, he, he brought an end to a famine. Now I want to tell you if I've got somebody that's walking into this church and they're raising the dead and they're, and, and they're declaring things and God is bringing things to pass I would think I would think that it would be in my own best interest. Well, if God is using this man or if God is using this woman, I probably ought to want to listen to them when God starts speaking through them. But how many knows that even though when there is a promise that is given, there's always going to be somebody there that just simply is not going to And that's what we find in chapter in, in verse number two. Verse number two tells us of a man, a who the Bible says that the hand of the king leaned on. That means it was, this man was a close confidant of the king, and whatever this man had to say, it was perhaps 
understood that the king would listen to this man. And the Bible says that when this man heard the promise of God out of the man of God, that he got sarcastic. And he said, really? Is God going to create windows in heaven so that he can bless us? I want to tell you something. When you start doubting the promises of God, when you start doubting what God has declared and what God has set forth, you are putting yourself in a dangerous position. Mm. I, we ain't swinging from the chandeliers tonight, but I feel like this is a word from the Lord. You see, and Elisha looked at this man and he said, You'll see it with your eyes. But you won't partake of it. See, unbelief will keep you from God's work in your life. Mm. See, we ask God for a lot of things. We want God to do so much for us. But unbelief will keep you from God's work in your life. That's the reason. Come on, I'm, 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 I'm going to teach this here just for a minute. I'm, we're going to talk about it. I, I, I know I'm not yelling and screaming and spitting and, 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 and sputtering and everything tonight, but I believe this is what we need to hear. See, here's, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's the reason why. And you've got to understand, sometimes as preachers, we get weary. People come down to the altar to pray. And they say, I need God to do this. I need God to do that. I need God to heal me. I need God to move in my family. And how many times, and preachers don't raise your hand, but how many times have we, when we got done doing it, when we got done praying for people, on their way back to the pew, they're already canceling out what we've already prayed for them about. Yes, sir. And this man has heard the word of the Lord. That this man has heard the word of the Lord. That God is getting ready to turn the situation around. And He does three things here. The first thing that He does is He doubts the power of God. Because He says, well, is God really going to open up the windows of heaven? Is God really going to do this? Like, this is beyond the ability of God to help in this situation. And can I tell you tonight, church, that the worst thing that you can do is to doubt the power of God. Amen. And we doubt the power of God by saying things like this. Well, yeah, I know that God, I know God healed this person over here, but I really don't know whether or not God is going to do that for me. I know God, I know God has, I know God moved financially in these people's lives, but you know, my issue is just a little bit, is just a little bit worse than what they're going through. And we understand, listen, I, I read in my Bible that when God sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, what does the Bible say when they got ready to enter into the land of Canaan? The Bible says that there was not one feeble person. That was ever among them. The Bible says that there wasn't one feeble person. That their, that, that their clothes never waxed old. I, I believe that as they were growing up. When they needed a new pair of shoes. Somehow or another. Their shoes just kind of happened to grow along with them. That whenever they started to outgrow their pants. Or they started to outgrow their shirts. All of a sudden it just kind of grew with them. And God I'm going to tell you. You can't doubt the power of God. Because God is the omnipotent. Omniscient. Almighty God. And when God something. He, he can step out on nothing and he can say let there be light. And all of a sudden light comes to me. You, you do yourself a great injustice when we begin to doubt the power of God. Amen. He not only doubted the power of God, but he doubted the creativity of God. Well, I just don't believe that God would do it like that. You see, I've learned, as Isaiah says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and His thoughts higher than our thoughts. 
And a lot of the times we are trying to put God in our little box and trying to tell God, God, this is the way that you have to do it for me. See, a lot of the times our prayers are nothing more than directions to God. God, this is how. I've already formulated the plan and now God, I need you to bless my plan. And God never works that way. Somebody say amen. See, God said, if you follow me, I will make you. We do the following, God does the making. Oh, come on, I feel like preaching right now. We do the following, God is the one that does the making. We don't talk to God and say, God, let's make a deal. God says, then son, daughter, this is the deal. You follow me. If you will be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And I'll cause the blessings of God to chase you and overtake you. But we get in trouble when we start doubting the creativity of God. Well, God, I just don't believe that you would do. I just don't believe that you would do this. Well, tell that to a blind man that God spit on the ground. Tell that to a God that when a famine hit and a drought hit in Elijah's days, told Elijah, go to the brook and I'll command the ravens to come feed you. And I've learned this. If God's got to cause a raven to stop by my window at the house over there and drop off a T-bone steak every now and then to make sure that I've got to make sure I've got food on my table, I will put it past God to do that. Amen. Mm, come on. See, we either believe that God can do it or God can't. See, that's the reason why I get so weary with the preachers that, that, that stand up across pulpits all across America and they try to convince me, you know, well, God just doesn't work that way anymore. God did that just simply for a time. God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't baptize in the Holy Ghost anymore. God doesn't work like this anymore. I read in my Bible that He sent Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if He healed back then, He's still a healer today. If He still saves back then, He's still a Savior today. If He still baptized, if He baptized in the Holy Ghost back there in the book of Acts, He's still baptizes in the Holy Ghost today because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And I want to tell you, you get in a lot of trouble when you doubt the creativity of God. Not only did he doubt the creativity of God, but he also doubt the message of God. Ultimately, the Word of God went forth Ah, my goodness. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, we got people that sit in our churches. And I've experienced it as an evangelist. From the time that I'm six foot... I've been in evangelism and ministry since I was 16 years of age. And I've experienced it just about every church that I've went to. There's always somebody that's sitting on a pew somewhere that is just waiting on something to disagree with you on. Because ultimately what they want to do is they want to decredit what God has to say. And when you begin to discredit what God has to say, when you begin to discredit what His Word has to say, when you begin to you get into an awful predicament in your unbelief. Mm, I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. You see, unbelief dares to question the truthfulness of God's promise itself. Unbelief says, this is a new thing and it can't be true. Unbelief says, this is a sudden thing and it can't be true. Unbelief says, there's no way to accomplish this thing. Unbelief says, there's only one way God can work this out. Unbelief says, even if God does something, it won't be enough. And I hear it. I hear it 
consistent basis. And people that text me, people that reach out to me, people that ask me to pray. I tell you, I've gotten, I've gotten bolder in my responses. Because, thank you Holy Ghost. Do you know that there is actually even a deficiency to having little faith? See, we used to sing, now listen, don't get mad at me when I say this, but we'll even sing songs about the joy that there is to having little faith. Because we'll sing songs like, you know, remember that old song that we sing? Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Don't need a whole lot, just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. But in my Bible, Jesus looked at His disciples and said, Why are you so fearful, ye of little faith? I, 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 I'm messing up some theology. I know I am. And so I was, I was telling pastor just the other day, I said, I understand that the Bible says that we are to have faith as the size of a grain of a mustard seed. But how many knows that that is at the initial? That is the beginning. And that faith is supposed to grow. It is supposed to expand. My God, I feel like preaching right now. I want to tell you something. The last year and a half of my life, since November of, of since November of 2019 till, till now, I want to tell you I've learned more about the faithfulness and trusting God and what my and what my relationship and what my faithfulness to God is all about. Because uh, see, here's the thing: your trial and your difficulty and your famine and your and, and, and your circumstances that you're in, it'll do one of two things. It'll either drag you to Him or it'll push you away or it'll push you away from Him. Job experienced that when he, when his wife came to him and said, are you still maintaining your integrity to the faithfulness of God? Why don't you curse God and die? And he understood, the, he understood this principle. He said, I can either curse God and die or I can bless God and live. And I want to tell you, in the last year and a half of my life, I've learned about the faithfulness of God. I've learned more than ever what it means to trust in God. I know what it means. I know what it means to have my faith tested. But though He slain me, yet will I trust Him. Because He's never failed me one time. And I have no reason to doubt the promises of this book. I have no reason to doubt the promises of my God. Because He that hath promised me, He is faithful to complete it. And so you have the unbelief. And then you have the faith that we see here. Four leprous men. Some Jewish historians will say that these four leprous men are actually Gehazi and his three sons. Because God struck Gehazi with leprosy because of what happened with Naaman the leper. But regardless of who these four men are, they are sitting at the gate. They cannot go in the city because they're already ceremonially unclean. They have to sit outside of the gate. And they look at everything that is going on around them. And they see the famine that's going on inside. They see an enemy that's got them completely surrounded. And they just have a question. Why are we sitting here until we die? And can I tell you, we have a lot of people that are sitting in our churches just like that. We have a lot of people that are sitting in our churches that are seeing all the turmoil that is going on in our nation, that is seeing everything that is going on in our world. And you know what? They are just sitting there just waiting. Oh, can I just say it? They are just sitting there just waiting on the rapture of the church. And I'm not going to do anything and I'm, not, and I'm just going to sit here until I die. It's bad and there's no use for me doing anything else. But these four men are sitting and they're looking at their circumstances and they say, 
Why do we need to sit here until we die? We understand that if we go back inside, if we go back inside the gates, they're going to kill us and we're going to die in there when there's a famine. But just perhaps if we go over to the Syrian army, if we go over to their camp, they, they'll probably kill us when we get there. But just maybe before we get, before they kill us, they may just give us something to eat. But we understand one thing. This right here is not working anymore for us. We've got to understand, church, that sometimes this, what we've been doing, is not working. You know what the definition of insanity is? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And sometimes we'll sit back on our traditions. Oh, praise God, don't get me started on down that road. We'll sit on our traditions. We'll sit on, we'll sit on our ideology. And I'm not moving. And I'm not budging. And I'll sit here until I die before I try anything else. Because bless God, this is it. This is what I've always done. This is what I've always believed. This is what I've always done. Well, my brother, my sister, maybe that's just not working for you. And you wonder why you're always miserable. You wonder why there's no peace in your life. You wonder why there's no joy in your life. You wonder why there's no victory in your life. But can I tell you, if you're willing to get up and actually put one foot in front of the other and say, I don't know what's going to happen further on down the road, but I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And it may look like it's unsteady at times. And I may not understand everything that I'm going through. But I know in whom I have believed. And I know in whom I'm trusting. And Solomon said there's not one promise that has ever failed of the word of God. And I want to tell you tonight that he'll never fail you either. And see, the Bible says that they got up and they started marching, or they started walking toward the Syrian camp. And I, I found this today, and I'd never seen this before, and I thought this was interesting. The Bible says in verse number 5, And they rose up at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the, of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. The Bible says that they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp. That does not mean, look this up in the Hebrew, this is not what this means. It does not mean that they made a straight line from where they were at to where they were going. And when they came to the border of the camp, that there was nobody there. But actually what they had done to be on the outskirts in the Hebrew actually means that they walked to the furthest most point of the camp. What they actually did was instead of going in a straight direction, is they actually encircled, they actually encircled the camp of the Syrian army and came in the back way. And the Bible says that when they started walking and they got to the camp and it was all deserted. Verse 6 says, For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. You know what it sounded like to them? It sounded like to them they were completely surrounded. See, great things will happen when you put your faith in God to work. Amen. 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 Mm -hmm. I feel like preaching. See, God will cause great things to happen when you put your faith 
to work. When the faith that God has entrusted you, it's, oh my goodness, see, here's the, oh, I'm going to preach it right now. See, here's, here's the thing. The reason, why, the reason why that your faith hasn't grown is because you haven't been willing to trust God with this little bit. So God is not going to trust you for Him. God is not going to trust you and believe in Him for much when you can't trust Him with a little. Listen to this. While they're enjoying, they understand something. They understand that the blessing that they're receiving is not meant only for them. Mm. Oh, there's a whole, I could preach a whole hour on what it means to be blessed by God. But here's the thing God, and God is not just simply interested and making sure that your need is met. That's all great, that's all, that's all wonderful. But it goes much deeper than that because if you read here, when they're, when they're enjoying all of this bounty that, and all these blessings that they've received, the Bible says that they begin to hide some of it. But one of them said, listen, what we're doing is not right. We need to go back to a town that's in the midst of a famine and we need to let them know about the blessings that we have encountered. I've learned a long time ago that the reason why God blesses me, the reason why God healed me, even though I'm so thankful that God healed me and that God set me free, and it healed my body, but it enables me to go to somebody else who is sick in body and say, let me tell you about a healer that I know. Let me tell you about Jehovah Rapha I know. He is the Lord God that heals me. And if you'll just believe in Him, if you'll trust in Him, He'll heal you too. Let me tell you about somebody that can pick you up out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And let me tell you somebody that can set you free out of everything that's got you bound. His name is Jesus. Yes. Bible says and they said listen I, we need to go back we need to go back to where that famine is at and tell them what we have found and the Bible says and they go back 
The Bible says that they go back and they tell the guard on the wall, listen, you go tell the king that we've got all of this. And the Bible says that they go check it out. And in one moment's time, in a 24-hour period, the famine is over. But the Bible says, the Bible says that the king commanded this officer to go to the gate. And through the blessings of it all, through all the rejoicing, I see the price that is paid for unbelief. Because the Bible says that the officer is trampled over during the blessing. See, God can work. Listen to this here. God can work in spite of your unbelief. It just means you probably won't partake of it. Mm, I know we ain't shouting tonight. God can work in spite of your unbelief. See, here's the thing. It, our, our unbelief doesn't hinder God. It doesn't hinder God. It can't stop God from what He is wanting to do. It just simply means that we won't partake of it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That's the reason why we can sit in church and people be slain all across the church. People be getting saved, getting healed, getting delivered, getting set free, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you always got that one that can't partake of anything. And they just said that. I, I've had people come to me in my meetings and tell me, "Well, Brother Jeremy, why, why do you, why do you ask us to get of our, out of our seats and come for you? God can bless me right where I'm at." Or I hear people say, "You know, Brother Jeremy, if you ever see me shout, you're gonna know it's the Holy Ghost." Can I tell you? I'm praying I don't go to preaching and I don't go to meddling, but sometimes I can't tell the difference. But I read nowhere in the scripture where the Bible says that the Spirit of God moved on somebody and they shouted. David, the Bible says, danced before the Lord with all of his might. Because he understood that the glory of God was coming back to where it was supposed to be. They had wrote Ichabod over the door because the glory of God had departed. But David said the glory of God has been gone for far too long. I'm going to bring it back. And as they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, as they're bringing the, as the visible representation of the glory of God, he said, you've got to pardon me just a moment. He said, I, he said, I set aside my kingly robe and I begin to dance before the Lord with all of my might. But there was some religious fanatic that was sitting up in the window overlooking everything. He said, oil was the king glorious today before all the handmaidens and everything like that. She was jealous because of what he was doing. He said, and he said, listen, he said, if you think, he said, if you think that I could have shindig today, he said, you wait till I get the house of God built. He said, because I'll be even abased even in my own sight. What he was saying is, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because can I tell you, there's a lot of times we don't get our blessings because we're just afraid to praise him. We're just afraid to shout our praise to him. We're just afraid. And what happened? Is, is that we get trampled over everybody else. Amen. And then we leave, Pastor. Then we leave. And if we're kind enough, we can call the pastor and say, you know what? I think we're just going to go to church somewhere else because I just ain't getting fed there anymore. 
And, uh, or you get those people that say, you know, I just don't understand why you people act the way that you act. Well, maybe if you got what I got, right. you'd act the way that I act. Um, Ah, that's good preaching. I don't care what you say. But God can work in spite of your unbelief. It just means that you probably won't partake. You see, there's, there's a price. There's a price to our unbelief. You say, Brother Jeremy, why in the world would you even preach a message or even teach on something like this tonight? Couldn't you give me something that was uplifting? Couldn't you tell me how much God was going to bless me? Because here was the things that the Lord was speaking to me today. As I was writing all of this down. God is moving at harvest time. Yes. 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 Amen. I believe it. God is moving at harvest time. I believe. I believe it. I believe that it is, uh, we've talked about a season of different, that things are being different. But I tell you what the Lord impressed, I'll tell you what the Lord impressed upon me today as I was, as I was putting this together. Not everybody that comes through those doors that sits in this pew, and even those that are going to call this church home are going to believe. There is a price for us not believing God. Can you think about it like this? Can you think what it would be like on that day? Thank you, Holy Ghost. What it would be like on that day. And I don't have I don't have scripture one to back this up with. This is you can mark it down, put it in your little notebook or whatever it is, and just put it in there. This is, this is Brother Jeremy's opinion. But I truly believe that on that day when we stand before the Lord, we, we may make it to heaven. But could it just possibly that God will show us a place that says, look at this. These... All of this was things that you could have had. If you would have just believed me. Well, Jesus, what's in there? Well, you know, you know that financial blessing that you needed, that financial breakthrough that you were needing? It was there. It, it's, it's right here. I had angels ready to dispatch it to you. But Jesus, why didn't you send it to me? Because every time you opened up your checkbook, you said, we'll never get out of this. You, you, you see this blessing right here yeah but th that was that was your that was your people you could have had that well Jesus why didn't you why didn't you he said and I've already paid for it I bled and died for you to have that all you had to do was just receive it well why didn't why, why didn't you why didn't you give that to me Lord well, because every time that you went to the doctor, you'd rather believe what the doctor says than according to my report. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. You, 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 you see, you see, you see that right there. Yeah, that, that that was your that was your that that was your son. That was your daughter. That could have been saved. Well, Jesus, why didn't, why didn't you save them? Because every time you looked at them, you said, they'll never come in. Mm -hmm. yeah. come 
There's a price for your unbelief. Yeah. And I want to tell you, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Short little body. Thank you, Holy Ghost. God is getting ready. And you're going to see it before too long. God is getting ready to open up the windows of heaven at harvest time. Yeah. And God is getting ready to pour out blessing after blessing after blessing. There, there are going to be salvations. There are going to be deliverances. There are going to be there are going to be financial breakthroughs. There are going to be there are going to be healings. The question is, are you going to believe it? Now listen, it's easy to say, amen. It's easy to say, oh, yep, I, I will. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be mean. I, just, I hope this doesn't sound mean. But it's easy. It's easy to say that. But what you say sitting on your couch at home when nobody else yes. is looking, that's that's what makes the difference yes. as to whether or not if the blessings of God will chase you and overtake you. Yes. It's easy. It's easy to stand up here in the altar and go, I believe, Lord, I believe, I believe. But as soon as you get home, you're still pacing the floors at night, not understanding how anything's going to get done. Mm -hmm. But I hear God say, I'm getting ready to pour out the blessings of God. I need my people to believe. Because yeah. that's, that's what I believe is getting ready to happen. Standing with you all in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry.